I want to welcome you this morning. Man, I hope you've had a great Easter. I hope the Lord blesses your heart. We're doing a continuation this morning of our Easter message last week. If you have your Bible, you'll take it and turn with us to the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 15. I believe the Lord will greatly speak to your heart this morning. 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verse 1. Paul says, moreover, brethren, I declare to you, I clarify for you the gospel that I proclaim to you, and I received it, and I have taken it, and I stand on it. The gospel which I stand on, which I heard, which I received, and now which I stand. That's the salvation process. That which I've heard, that which I've seen, that which I now stand on. And you are also saved by this gospel. There is no other way to be saved except by the gospel of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. If you hold to the message I proclaim to you, unless you believe to no purpose, how many people today believe to no avail, to no purpose? For I'm passing on to you as most important what I also receive. Now write this down or underline it. That Christ died for our sins according to the gospel, according to the scripture. Not according to the theory of man, but first of all, according to the scripture. That he was buried and that he was raised again on the third day according to the scripture. Now, my brothers and sisters, that is the full gospel. The full gospel. How do you know if something's a cult, if it nullifies any of the three? If it says one of the three doesn't need, now I didn't say the occult, I said the occult. Somebody who professes to have another way. If they profess to have another way and it does not declare those three things, then my friends today, that is a cult. I'm thankful that we were sharing this gospel in the country of Peru. Man, every week we go out here and we do ministry. In the country of Peru, man, this gospel that I just read to you, that Christ died according to the Scriptures, that He was buried according to the Scriptures, and He rose again according to the Scriptures. Man, that's exactly what we see right here. Friday afternoon, they took that old building that we call a church that isn't much more than a a person's garage back home, and, uh, man, they set that up and showed the Jesus film in there. Man, we have some pictures of them setting that up and, and filling the house and watching the movie of that Jesus film. Man, look at that. What a blessing to see people come and hear the gospel. Hear it. See it. And now they make a decision to stand on it. Look into those kids. Family, that's because you were obedient. That's because you went. It's because you obeyed. That is what God called us to do. Whether you do it in a preaching form or a, or a movie presentation or something. But what a blessing to know that the Jesus film was being shared in another country. Lives were being changed because of you. Because you were willing to invest in something other than yourself. You were willing to invest in something greater than you. You were willing to set your needs aside and say it's about the needs of others. That, my friends, is family of grace. And today, as we think about this, we come back and we looked at Jesus died 
according to the scriptures, that he rose according to the script, that he was buried according to the scriptures, and that he rose again according to the scriptures. And as we connect these dots and we begin to think about this, we look at the picture there of those kids hearing that gospel message, and you say, Pastor, what in the world does that have to do with us today? What does that have to do with me? Well, if you go a little bit further, and we're going to read this, and I'm going to come back and make a summary of it. In verse 35, there's this whole mystery of death. Death was the ultimate separation. Death was the ultimate part of our hearts and our lives. It was separated, and uh, things began to connect the the dots and uh, see strange things happen. And man, when we look at this, they couldn't understand death. They couldn't understand those things. And, And it was a mystery. Death marked the ultimate separation, and Paul comes and he talks about that in these next few verses and the risen hope of the resurrection. But verse 35, it says, But some will say, How are the dead raised up? And with what body did they come? Foolish one, what you sow is made alive unless it dies. Now look at this next verse, verse 37. And as for what you sow, you are now sowing. Now, look at that. He says, What you sow has to be dead. If it's not dead, there will be no life that comes forth from it. There will only be a souring of the seed. In order for a seed to bring forth life, it must be dead. And as for what you are sowing, you are not sowing the future body, but only a seed, perhaps like of a wheat or another grain. But God gives it a body as he wants. And each of the seeds is its own body. Not all flesh is the same. Flesh there is one flesh for humans and another flesh for animals and another for birds and another flesh for fish. There are heavenly bodies, there are earthly bodies. But the splendor of the heavenly body is different than the splendor of the earthly body. There is the splendor of the sun, then there's the splendor of the moon. There's the splendor of the stars and a different it differs from the star of splendor, star of stars. And so it is with the resurrection of the dead, sown in corruption, raised in incorruption, sown in dishonor, raised in honor, sown in weakness, raised in power, sown a natural body, raised a spiritual body. If there is a natural body, then it has been raised. So it is written that the first man, Adam, became a living being, and the second Adam, being Jesus Christ, became a life-giving spirit. However, the spiritual is not first, but the natural is. And as you look at this, it says the first was made of the earth and made of the dust, and the second is made from heaven. Do you see the difference? Man, it says, like the man made of dust, so are those who are made of the dust. Like the heavenly man, so are those who are made after the image of the heavenly man. And just as we have borne the image of the man made of dust, we will also bear the image of the heavenly man. Brothers, I'm going to tell you a mystery. Here's what he says. I'm going to tell you this, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. Our corruption inherit incorruption. Listen, I am telling you a mystery. We will not all fall asleep, but we will be changed in a moment. In the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet sound, for the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised incorruptible, and we will be changed. And 
This corruptible will be clothed with incorruptibility. And this mortal will be clothed with immortality. Now when this corruptible is clothed with incorruptibility. And this mortal is clothed with immortality. Then will be brought to pass the saying that is written. Death is swallowed up in victory. Oh death where is your victory? Oh death where is your sting? Now the sting of death is sin. And the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who brings me my victory through Christ Jesus, my Lord. Now, there's a couple things that I want you to note in your Bible here or on your handout. Number one, what is it that we're looking for? What is it that Christ is up to? What is it that Easter is all about? To be a conqueror, you know, that's what it's all about. Everybody wants to be a conqueror. But you know, my friends, today I want you to understand something very clearly. That to be a conqueror, you must first be conquered. To be a conqueror, you have to be conquered. To be an overcomer, you have to be overcome. To be a master, you have to be mastered. To be victorious, you have to be a victor, you have to be victorious. I'm telling you that no matter what what area of your life you connect those dots and those things are true, my friend, that if you want to be a conqueror, you have to be conquered. Somebody who wants to conquer the football field, conquer the rodeo arena, conquer the golf course, conquer their home, conquer their marriage, they first have to be willing to be conquered by the captivity of the mind of submitting to whatever it is. If you want to be the best athlete in all the world, I go back to Magic Johnson. They say he's one of the greatest basketball players that ever lived. Because he owned every position on the court. And the reason that he was able to do that is because every time the offseason came around, he didn't try to learn a, a famous new shot. He wasn't looking to try to create the tomahawk or the sky hook or some other new slam dunk. Thing, but he was practicing the fundamentals that he may own every position, that he may be able to play all five positions on the court. And because of that, he was willing to, to be overcome. He was willing to be conquered by the fundamentals of the game, the fundamentals of the sport. And because he was conquered, he was a conqueror. Now he holds the title as one of the greatest positions, one of the greatest professional basketball players of all time. But he was willing to become the master. He had to master what it was he was working on. And today we have a lot of people who are trying to live the Christian life. They are trying to be a conqueror. They are trying to be victorious. But they cannot be victorious because they've never understood the victor. They're trying to be a conqueror, but they've never been conquered. There's a couple of things in this passage of Scripture that really connect the dots for me. Matter of fact, when we look at this and we begin to put them in place, I understand that the Easter season is about the celebration of the day that our greatest defeats were conquered. Our greatest failures were conquered. Our greatest fears were conquered. Our greatest mistakes were conquered. I love that Scripture in the book of John in, 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 in chapter 20 where it talks about they went into the tomb and when they went into the tomb they looked into that tomb and 
It says the, the grave clothes was there, but the, 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 the part that had been around his face, the handkerchief that they had covered the face of Jesus with, was folded up like you would fold a napkin at a dinner table, and it was sitting there. Because he folded up the thing that was blinding man, the thing that was conquering man, he conquered death, he conquered the grave, he conquered all the things of our past that we may be able to walk in victory in our future. Today, you've got to be more than a conqueror, my friends. I love what it says in John 20 and 8 that they saw and they believed. I love what it says in John 20 and 13. She says, just tell me where you've taken Jesus and I'll go get him and bring him back. What she didn't understand was that Jesus was no longer, that the intimate relationship of what Jesus was doing was greater than anything they had experienced in the past. Because Jesus could have always been separated from them. You remember what they said when Lazarus died? Lord, had you been here, our brother would not have died. You remember when Peter, James, and John was able to go up the mountain and spend some intimate time with Jesus? But all the rest of them had to stay down there in the trenches of the world. There was separation from Jesus and the people. Because he was up on the mountain and they were down below. There were many times that when he was in the Garden of Gethsemane, he stopped those guys and said, you wait right here. And he went a little bit further and was separated. She said, just tell me where he's at that I can be with the body of my Savior, that I can finish the process of his burial. But what Jesus was working was the fact that he would never have to be separated again. You can only be so close to somebody in the physical realm. You can only sit as close as you can sit to them. And that's as close as you can get. And Jesus said, I want our relationship to be deeper than that. So he became, the the Holy Spirit came to indwell us. That our body would become the temple, the place where God dwells and takes up residence. That we might not be separated anymore or any longer. That perishable would no longer perish. That we could become imperishable. That corruptible would put on incorruption. The law is where sin gains its strength. And death is where it receives its knockout blow. The law is where sin gains its strength. Because you point to the law and say, I broke that commandment. And death was the knockout blow that brought the disparaging time in the lives of the believers. And they thought, man, this is the end. But Jesus said, this isn't the end. It's the marking of something who's a new beginning. It's the great, it's the great mystery. The great mystery, man. When you look at that great mystery... I love what it says in, in Timothy, the, the mystery of the gospel... Why do we have so many denominations in the world today? Because the gospel is mysterious. And it drives theologians crazy. And they study hours and hours and hours and hours. And can I tell you, the gospel is still a mystery. The triunity of God is a mystery. That's why people choose not to believe it because our our human mind cannot comprehend the triunity of God. How there'd be God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. How they could be separate but be one. 
It's the mystery of the gospel. And man cannot handle mysteries. So we try to rationalize it in our human mind and bring the great deity of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and bring Him down to a man-sized demigod that He may fit in our mind. Can I just tell you today something, my friends? On this Easter morning, I don't want a God that I understand. I don't want a God that I can reason with. I don't want a God whose ways are like my ways, whose thoughts are like my thoughts, whose love is like my love, whose compassion is like my compassion passion. I want a God who is greater than I am. I want a God who's a mystery. I want a God who believes in me. I want a God who suffers long. I want a God who looked down and saw there was no man to stand in the gap, so he came himself. The mystery of the gospel. Try to explain it and you'll lose your mind. Try to deny it and you'll lose your soul. The mystery of the gospel. This is the mystery of the gospel. We read it. Where perishable becomes imperishable. Something that's tainted in corruption becomes incorruptible. I mean, when you think about that, when the perishable things of the world no longer perishes, when there's no longer an expiration date on something, you know about perishing products. I mean, how many of you ever have opened your refrigerator, took out a gallon of milk and said, that looks a little close. Woo! I believe that's a little too close to the date. The smell test, the sight test, and then, Lord, the taste test. Taste and see that the Lord is good, is what the scripture says. That perishable becomes imperishable. Death was such a terrible thing in the lives it's still a terrible thing death is overcoming death is overwhelming death is despairing even when we have living hope but death is not a demotion it's a promotion it's when the saint of god is promoted it's when the only way we can get to heaven is to have incorruption imperishable and so death is that mystery where our perishable body expires The expiration date is up on it. For some, that's over a hundred. For some, that's over a hundred seconds they're in this world and then they they die we don't know what the expiration date on life is but here's what i do know at death is the process that that which is perishable becomes imperishable that which is corruptible do you remember the scripture we read that adam was born of the earth out of the dust of the earth he was born therefore he represents things of the world things of the earth but the second adam that being jesus was born in the out of the heavens not out of the earth of incorruptible seed that we who are corrupted may longer may no longer be corrupted that we may be incorruptible now as long as there's pulse in our body and blood flowing through our veins at any moment we can become corruptible before you look down your nose at somebody who just waded off into sin neck deep and got caught up in an extramarital affair or gave in and got higher drunk on some drug of this world or flew off the handle and did something that was a sin before you look down our super spiritual nose and say I can't believe that dear saint of God did that understand at all moments we're tempted and at any moment except for the grace of God so could we be 
in that same situation. Don't say you know what you would do. Don't tell them, don't give advice when you've not traveled down that road. Don't give advice to somebody who just lost their spouse and you've never lost their spouse. Just be quiet and hug them. Just shed tears with them. Quit trying to tell them what it's like. I remember one time a guy said, oh, oh, Pastor Brad, if I was in your shoes, here's what I would do. And I said, man, look, 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 Doc, don't tell me what you would do. I don't care if you have a Ph.D. in, in theology. The vantage point is different when you're looking down the wrong end of the gun barrel and there's a sight that you're looking at the wrong side of the sight and the end you're looking down has a hole and on the opposite end, somebody that doesn't like you has got their finger on the trigger. The vantage point's a little bit different. Don't tell me what you would do. You really don't know what you will do till you're tempted. At any moment, we can become corruptible. But one day when our body perishes... This flesh and blood perishes. Stay with me. This is the mystery of the gospel. When our flesh and blood perishes, while it perishes, it for those who are believers, now this is for those who are born again, it takes on the form of incorruption. That's why Paul said, though the outward man growing weary and, and frail day by day, the inward man is growing stronger because it's moving towards the promotion date. It's moving towards graduation date. And we graduate from a life lived while traveling down here on earth to a life lived traveling in the portal of glory in the presence of Jesus Christ, a King of kings and the Lord of lords. My friends, that's a graduation day. Can I get a witness? It's that process in which incorruption, corruption becomes incorruptible. It's that graduation moment. It's that, that, that thing we know about salvation is that you were saved, you're, you are saved, you're being saved, and you will be saved. It's the process. You never get to a point of spiritual maturity. I don't care if you've been a believer for 60 years. God wants to take you deeper on your spiritual journey every day. Get over the fact that you've read the Bible through for four or five times in your lifetime. Grab hold of the treasures of God. Quit worrying about how much you can put in and how deep you can drill. It's not about how many verses you read. It's about how drill, how deep you drill into those verses and gain the mystery of the gospel. What am I believing God for in my life this Easter season? That God would allow me to become a man that could drill down and have a spiritual walk that cannot be comprehended. It's that it's when it's when uh, what's a good way to put corruptible becomes incorruptible? Uh, d- dishonor becomes honorable. Something that you were ashamed of becomes something. That you want to esteem highly. It's where weakness becomes strength. It's where our infirmities become complete. It's the mystery of the gospel. Then there's the marvel of the gospel. The marvel. Have you just ever marveled at something? There's all kind of things that cause us to marvel or muse after something. To gaze upon it. The marvel of the gospel is this. When Jesus died, it says in, in, in 1 Corinthians 15 and, and, and 3 through 4, that Jesus died according to the Scripture, buried according to the Scriptures, and He rose again according to the Scripture. Well, the, the, the marvel of the gospel is that when He died, He loved me. Because He loved me, He died for me. Do you understand? He didn't die and then say, oh, well, because I'm dying, let me just love Him. 
No, because he loved me, he died for me. There's a big difference. Because he loved me, because he looked ahead and ahead in time and saw all the bondage and affliction that I had, he loved me. Because he loved me, he died for me. The marvel of the gospel. The marvel of the gospel is that he was buried in the heart of the earth. And, and, and because he was buried, he forgave me. Listen, he died for me and made atonement on Friday. But between Saturday and Sunday, he took all the sins of the world that was placed upon his shoulder and his back, descended down to the heart of the earth, Put them away from man that he may never see them again. And brought about the ultimate forgiveness. That he rose again. The marvel of the gospel. People still can't understand it. They try every theory in the world to prove that Jesus did not rise again from the dead. They all have a right to be wrong. But he rose again. He, he died because he loved me. He was buried to forgive me. And he rose again to accept me. He said, son, we don't have to travel down here any longer. Where I am, there you can be also. The marvel of the gospel. And then there's the great moment of the gospel. That moment that we realize, what will I do with Jesus? If he died for us, will I live for him? I go back to what it says in 1 Corinthians chapter 15 in verses 9 through 10. For I am the least of the apostles who am not worthy to be called an apostle. Because I kill Christians. But by the grace of God I am what I am. I don't care what you've done. There's that great moment where you have to either accept the finished work of Calvary or reject it. Today only you can make that decision. The Bible says, but thanks be to God who gives us our victory through Christ Jesus, our Lord. You need to quit fighting that battle. It's not your victory. You can't give something you don't have. As we've gone through this sermon today, if there's some things that you need to grab hold of, some principles that you need to latch on to, it would be our honor at Family of Grace to help you in your spiritual journey. We believe God has a great plan for your life. And God wants to take you to that next level. Today we'll be praying for you. Email us. Call us. Let us know what we can do to help you become all that God has created you to be. Thank you for joining us today. We would like to take a moment to thank our sponsors that made this program possible. Bayou Shirts. At Bayou Shirts, we offer quick, friendly, quality service for all your t-shirt needs. Check us out today at BayouShirts.com for information on all the services we can provide. Tampering Ground Coffee Shop in downtown Alexandria. If you're looking for a great place to hang out or have a break and a wonderful cup of coffee, please stop by and see Jeff and thank him for his support of our ministry. Also this week, we ain't going to pray for... Looking for child care? Visit College Camp, located in the heart of Pineville. It is a licensed aid facility that has been in existence since 2008.
why don't for more information call 318-484-2762 at fca we're touching millions one heart at a time Since 1954, the Fellowship of Christian Athletes has been putting the heart and soul in sports by challenging athletes and coaches to impact the world for Jesus Christ. As the largest sports ministry in the world, FCA now reaches over 2 million people annually on the professional, college, high school, junior high, and youth levels. Through this shared passion for athletics and faith, lives are changed one heart at a time. Learn more at fca.org. 